Category 5 TV, we trust our files to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Whether for your server, laptop, or desktop computer, you'll experience improved performance and reliability. Kingston is with you. Get ready, it's time for the tech. Welcome to the show, everybody. Nice to see you. Great to have you here. Jeff! Hey! Be back. How are you? I'm good. Good. It's it been feels, a while. It feels like it's been forever. It really, really does. It was ah. Christmas episode we did, and yep. here we are now. He's already used the cliche behind the scenes tonight that, oh, I haven't seen you since last year. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ontario, Canada, where we broadcast from, is going into a state of emergency as of tonight at midnight. So Second state of emergency. Yeah. So um, that means the show is... Um, going to be a little bit odd over the next few weeks uh, if we're able to broadcast at all so just know that uh, we're going to be here as best we can within the uh, within the rules that are put forth by our government and um, and we're doing everything that we can to be safe i was saying uh, to our viewers before the show that even though jeff and i are not wearing masks right now we're being very very careful we are socially distant as best we can be um, and uh, and we're wearing masks every other time behind the scenes uh, and as of tonight, I guess it's that's that's it. It's like masks are mandated and required yeah. by law. So um, any shows between now and I guess mid February, uh, we're going to be masked up. Yep. So yeah, that's true. And because of uh, like businesses have to be closed by eight o'clock, all that kind that's of stuff. That's tough. Yeah. That's going to make it even tough for the show because we start broadcasting at seven o'clock Eastern. Yep. And usually we run an hour and a half. Yep. So even that. Or if it's a night like this. <laughs> That's right. A little bit later. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I want to say hi to uh, our Discord, our IRC. I do see Nomen5, Myortex, uh, Ameridroid is joining us. Hey, yeah. uh, the Foo is here. Sadsack963. Uh, who else have we got? I saw Marshman a little bit earlier saying hi in the chat. Albuquerque Turkey's in there. Hey, Albuquerque Turkey. Uh, we've got. We've got, and we've got a couple of folks that uh, haven't yet set up a name. We've got That's some right. guests in our IRC that mm -hmm. uh, automatically pump into our Discord. Um, note that um, if you want to participate in the show's broadcast, so while we're broadcasting, recording live, all you have to do is go to our website, category5.tv, click on Interact, and follow the invite to our Discord server. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to participate. Or if you're old school and you prefer IRC, you can join us on Freenode as well. We're Category 5 on Freenode. Could you imagine if we went really old school and had an ICQ chat? Yeah. <laughs> ICQ still exists. What? Are you serious? Yeah. I had no it's amazing. clue. Yeah. Man. Um, Becca and I, uh, so Becca, our news anchor, uh, we met on uh, IRC. Really? Yes. Huh. And, uh, and then she married me. So Well, then. It worked out. That's so, exciting. So news. IRC has a very special place in my heart. Wow, look at that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, speaking of Discord and our social, it's not just for live shows. Like, it, oh, Discord is happening yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, our channel's just hopping. We have got, my goodness, there's got to be, what, 20? 25,000. Yeah, 20, 25 different channels within the Cat5 Discord. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not just tech. Like, we've got recipes and food in there. It's like oh, we sure do. your entire life. Every time I barbecue, I'm posting pictures. I know. <laughs> I know. That's great. There's so much good stuff in there. So even if you are you can't catch the show live, it's a great spot to be throughout the week, especially for tech questions and things that are happening on the fly. So you want to get connected. Mm -hmm. I like it. 
All right. Uh, thanks to our patrons for supporting us uh, over the the past several months. Um, just want to say, hey, you know, that's a really cool way to support Category 5 TV. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash category 5. Uh, we can really, uh, we could really use a boost in our patronage. Um, so if you have the means to be able to support us at this time, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're never the kind of show who's like, pay. No, we're a free show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to be able to do this for free for all time. And in order to do this for free, we do require the support of our viewers. So when you have the means and you're able to do that, we'd ask you to go over to patreon.com slash category five. There's a couple of things with the uh, pandemic and the lockdown here in Ontario um, that have come to light that would be really, really helpful for us to be able to purchase um, that would make things easier for us to broadcast in a socially distant and safe way. Um, and those things cost a lot of money um, mm-hmm. when you're upgrading studio equipment and things like that. So, uh, so you can help us to be able to do those things and just to stay strong on the air and be able to offer this show free of charge. Yeah, to everybody, to the world, and and I mean that. You think, well, they're ask, they want money, but that, so that's not free anymore. But really, I mean, like this is season 14, episode eight, and you can go and you can download all 14 seasons on our BitTorrent server. That's right. And uh, and and watch all the old videos. Some of the tech is obsolete, but hey, it's a lot of fun to see how we've yep. grown and how we've evolved the show over the past 14 years. Uh, and we couldn't do that without the support of our viewers. It's true. Hmm. Well, Jeff, <sighs> back on what was it? Ep- uh, episode thirty-three of last season. So, season yes. thirteen, episode number thirty-three. You and I had a discussion about Minecraft. Yes. On, Do you remember that discussion? Yeah, on my Raspberry Pi three. Yeah. Uh, my kids had been asking for a Minecraft server, so we had used some uh, subscription-based services online, right. some paid. And then I'm like, well, you know what? It's just it's just a couple of us. I really don't want to, have to pay for this monthly. So then we found a free one. And I was like, oh, I got to log in, got to turn it right. on and off every time. I'm like, what if I could just make my own server at home sure. on a Raspberry Pi 3? So I tried it. Wasn't great. <laughs> it did not perform well. Like it took forever to load in. Very laggy. You know, a creeper comes along, blows you up, and then it takes like 30 seconds for you to realize you've been killed. Um, oh my! Yeah, it was That's not good. Bad. So then I tried the Odroid XU4. Yep, and it was better, okay. but not great. Yeah, the XU4 is a fantastic board, but it still only has two gigs of RAM. Right, and I think that, that was the big problem. That is like the bare, absolute minimum for a Minecraft server. And yep. when you realize that, hey, if you are just meeting the minimum, you're not going to see the performance that you could have. And it probably would have been okay for a single user. Like if okay. I was playing a single yeah, game, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, but you want something for the kids yeah, to play. Like I've got, I've got three kids at home, and they're like, "Oh, Dad, let's do this," and so I'm like, "Okay." But of course, for them, they want to do really cool stuff. Yeah, that's you know, lots of redstone, right, whatever. Yeah. So that takes a lot of processing power, and you mm-hmm. need a lot of you know RAM for that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't great. So you know, we debated on the Raspberry Pi four. Yeah. But I don't have one. Okay, I do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things that appeals to me most about hosting my own Minecraft server versus your original approach, which was to use online services, is that I hold the files. Yes. So when, when you talk about a, a free Minecraft server, those those fly by night. Like they, they, they work one day and then all of a sudden your world is gone. That's right. And that means 
I mean, us dads know that means crying kids. Absolutely. But on top of that, the free ones are built off ads. That's oh. how they rev- that's how they do revenue. So okay. every time my kids want to play, like I've got to load up, I got to yep. go in, and it's just that inundation with ads. And I'm like, I'm I'm not wow. like a deep state guy where it's like, oh, it's watching us. But I like to avoid the ads as much as possible. Sure. Yeah. Um, so okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and and you know, I talk about the the kids crying. It's not about not having the Minecraft server. It's about they put a lot of work and a yeah. lot of heart and excitement and and fun into building up the world yes building their builds and uh and it's it's really heartbreaking if they lose access to that Mm -hmm. so using a raspberry pi 4 the question becomes well is it powerful enough right you talked about the pi 3 which is definitely not no one gig of ram no way yeah Uh, odroid xu4 you're approaching a reasonably usable minecraft server but you're still limited by that two gigs of ram yeah throw a Raspberry Pi 4 in the mix with nope. 4 gigs or 8 gigs of RAM. Which one do you have? 4 gigs. You have the 4, okay. Yeah. I'm looking at buying the 8 gig. Ooh. Well, let's take a look at my Raspberry Pi 4, and what we're going to do is we're going to actually see if a Raspberry Pi 4 is capable of doing this for us, running a Minecraft server. And, and I don't mean just running one, but is it going to be good enough? Yes. Alright, so step one is that we're going to find out how to set this up step two we're gonna actually play with it yeah see how it works so let's head on over to here and uh, I'm gonna see how we can get this thing up and going okay it's a common question we receive and we've even discussed it internally can a Raspberry Pi microcomputer power a Minecraft server well today we're gonna answer that question and provide you with all the tools that you need to get up and running The links are in the description below, but please follow along with us throughout this video and you're going to learn how to set it up and see how it performs. Here's what you're going to need. A Raspberry Pi 4 with either 4 or 8 gigabytes of RAM, a very good power supply, and active cooling since we're going to be overclocking your Raspberry Pi. To help get things started quickly, we'll use a micro SD card, but I want to be able to trust this storage. So that's why I'm going to go with a Kingston Endurance card, which is built specifically for write-intensive applications. This feature is brought to you by Ameridroid.com. Get your Raspberry Pi 4 or other single board computer to power your Minecraft server at Ameridroid.com. American-based electronic sales, shipping, and support, visit Ameridroid.com. Now first up, you're going to need to install a Debian-based headless distro. So that means no desktop environment and no extra apps running. For the Raspberry Pi 4, the 64-bit of the Raspberry Pi OS Lite isn't available yet, so for now we're going to have to stick with the 32-bit. And This means that we're limited to only 4GB of RAM for Java. So buying the 8GB Pi 4 right away is fine for future readiness and the installer will accommodate this just fine and allow you to later upgrade to use more RAM once the 64-bit OS is released. But for now, there's really no advantage of the 8GB model over the 4GB. Because I needed a fancy name for the project and because this installer is built to work on any adequate SPC, such as the Pine 64, Rock Pro 64, I'm calling the project Pinecraft. It's simply not limited to the Raspberry Pi. So just make sure whatever system you intend to run it on is going to be dedicated and has at least four gigabytes of RAM. Let's get started turning our Raspberry Pi 4 into a dedicated Minecraft server. 
I've connected to my Raspberry Pi OS with SSH, and the first thing that we need to do is install git. So that's sudo apt install git. Say yes. That's going to download git and install it for us. And now git is going to be a command on our system. So I can go git clone https colon slash slash github.com slash cat5tv slash and then the name of this project, which is Pinecraft. Like Minecraft, but it's going to work on Pine64 boards as well. So hit enter. Now we've got a folder. Keep in mind, I was in my home folder when I ran that command. So um, where I am now is slash home slash pi slash pinecraft. Now notice I'm using the pi user because I'm using a default install. So please, for goodness sake, as the pi user, type password. It's like password, but spelt kind of weird. And then hit enter. Enter your current password, which is raspberry, and enter a new password. Please, for goodness sake, do that because that is just common sense, um, never use the default password. That's one of the first things we're going to do. Um, so I digress. Look at the uh, folder here that we've uh, get cloned and you see a file called install. I'm not going to show you everything and explain everything here, but if you have any questions, get onto our discord, go to category5.tv, click on interact. But what I've done here is I basically um, scripted the entire process of setting up this Minecraft server using Spigot um, so that you don't have to go through each of these steps manually and so that this video isn't three hours long. Um, so this is basically the automated process of how I was uh, able to get um, Minecraft up and running on a Raspberry Pi as well as possible. So it overclocks, it automatically does a whole bunch of stuff, detects how much RAM you have, what kind of operating system you're running, and so on and so forth. I'd encourage you anytime you're going to run any kind of installer script, hey, look at the code, um, find out what it's actually doing, and, and see. Uh, this also gives you a chance to trust what I'm doing here, but also it just is uh, really good information and shows you exactly what I'm doing. Um, but this is basically just the installer, the script that's going to do it. It is well commented, so I think you won't have any trouble figuring out what it is that I'm doing there. However, if you have any questions, let us know. All right, so let's run it. I'm going to go sudo, because I need to be the root user in order to run this, dot slash install, because it's in the current folder, and it is executable. And then I need to specify my Linux user. So this is going to be who is going to be running the Minecraft server, because we don't want that to be root, right? Uh, so if I type Robbie, for example, you'll see that Robbie does not exist. I haven't created that user. The only user on my Raspberry Pi is the Pi user, which is default, because it's just like a vanilla uh, Raspberry Pi OS. So I'm going to instead type sudo dot slash install pi and hit enter. And there we go. It's running. So first thing we need to do is accept Mo Yang's um, EULA, the end user license agreement. So I've included the link there for you. Uh, you have to accept that in order to install. Um, now this is warning me. This is very important. Now, while my Raspberry Pi server that we're going to be looking at uh, with the gameplay in just a few moments time is a Raspberry Pi with four gigs of RAM, I'm right now running this on one with eight gigs of RAM for the demonstration. So it's detected up here that I'm running the 32-bit OS. So I'm not actually going to be able to get all eight gigs of RAM. I'm only going to be able to use four, which is capping it off at 2.5 uh, gigabytes of RAM being used 
by the game. So that's fine. It's still going to run great, but do keep in mind, if you've gone and bought the 8 gig uh, version of the Raspberry Pi 4, you have to use the 64-bit OS. But why am I using the 32-bit OS then? It's because they haven't released the 64-bit Lite OS yet. So that is, uh, the desktop is currently in beta, and we will inevitably see the Lite version of, uh, of the 64-bit. So keep that in mind. Keep watch for it. You can install this on your Pi right now, then back it up, and then reinstall with the 64-bit once it's released, and you'll be able to take advantage of all that RAM. In the meantime, it's going to overclock to 1.9 gigahertz. The default is 1.5, so that's pretty good, but conservative uh, because I don't want to void your warranty, and I don't want to cause you any trouble with stability or anything like that. So uh, it's just warning me that I'm going to uh, overwrite the config.txt file, which inevitably, uh, when it does that, it also backs it up. So keep that in mind. You will find a new copy that has a date stamp in your slash boot on that drive. So if you get stuck, you're good to go. Uh, it's going to install the server now. It's going to go through anything that it needs to do. Um, first of all, it's downloading the installer for Spigot, and it's going to go through this process. This is going to take some time, so I'm just going to warp through time. All the steps have been automated with the Pinecraft install script, and we're ready to start playing. It's really important for you to know and remember that you can't shut down or reboot a Minecraft server in the traditional Linux way. If you do, you're going to lose all the blocks that are in memory possibly a day or more of gameplay. So Pinecraft includes a couple handy scripts, including one called Reboot and one called Stop. Minecraft is all set and ready to go at load uh, as soon as you reboot. Uh, but of course, we need to reboot. So we need to do that safely using the command sudo tilde slash Minecraft slash reboot. It's going to store all the blocks to disk and reboot the Pi. That's the command you're going to use from now on. Similarly, the stop command will safely store your blocks and stop the Minecraft the Minecraft server, uh, but leave it running so that you can either then halt the system or run a backup or something like that. Uh, so both of these commands can take several minutes. Um, just keep that in mind uh, because they're going to be storing several days possibly worth of blocks that are in your RAM to disk. So now that the new Raspberry Pi Minecraft server is rebooted, it's time. It's like the moment of truth. Let's try to connect. Absolutely flawless. Fantastic. Well, when we come back after the break, we're going to give it a real-world test, connecting several players to a Raspberry Pi 4 Minecraft server. Stick around. it's time to check out the gameplay performance. Notice that we've got the CPU and RAM stats at the bottom of your screen, and that'll remain for the whole demonstration. All right, so I'm here at Jeff's place, and just gonna kind of quickly run around to show you that, you know, that this is performing very, very well. So this is a Raspberry Pi 4 uh, is the server, and I've overclocked it to 1.95 gigahertz. It's got four gigs of RAM, and a Kingston 
uh, Endurance micro SD card. All right, so I wanted to show the performance with just me. Uh, everything looks pretty good, and, and here at Jeff's place, Jeff, I guess things should be performing it poorly here, if anywhere, right? Because you've got all these animals and stuff, and lots that's of that's correct. Yeah, yeah, I tried to 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 build a base that was busy enough with lots of elements, and so there's lots of animals making noise in the background. I wanted to try and tax the server out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's see what happens as we start to add players, because I think that was one of the questions that came up when you and I were first discussing this project. Was yes. you know what? How many players are going to be able to? Come on here. All right. And uh, I think I'm last to join. Here's Fox 70 Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jeff. Maybe it'd be nice if you could join, eh? <laughs> there he is. Just a random voice. All right. Hey, the Hello. one. So check this out. So we've, got... <laughs> so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people online at once on a Raspberry Pi 4 server. And a chicken and a whole bunch of uh, animals in the background. And there's, I'm not seeing a single glitch at all. No glitches. Bye. It's hard to see right now because it is late, late, late at night. And in order to, wow, you're good. Uh, in order to speed through the night, we all have to have a bed. And Jeff only has the one bed at his place, so. Yes. All right. All right. So we can Follow keep the one. Oh. Okay, you've got a shield, I do not, but I will, I'm gonna be like your videographer. <laughs> nice. Done. Oh, creepers, let's avoid that. Yeah, these guys, these are the guys that if you cool. get too close, they explode. When you're oh, being followed by a spider too. And a bunch of creepers. Oh, oh that, was, okay. that was effective. And I see an enderman, the shadow of an enderman. Oh, somebody's, oh. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no! Chaos ensues. Yummy. Yeah. Oh no. The okay, and oh, I, I used the bed at your place, so. Oh, oh, and there's zombies everywhere, and I have no weapons, dude. <laughs> okay. We may have to just I'm uh, wait out the oh. night. Yeah, you may have to. Oh my goodness. Uh, there's an Enderman. Yes. I got an iron sword! Finally! Congratulations. Do you guys see my stuff? Did you have uh, iron sword, pants, and shoes? Yeah, exactly, but then I died out in front of my house. I think Hinger may have collected your stuff, um, bald nerd. I just killed a um, zombie and it had my... No, I did not pick up my... All that I have is rotten flesh. Oh, I got it. Here's my stuff. Oh, that was that was from the zombie. That was from the zombie, I think. So, bald nerd, did you have this armor here that uh, Hinger's wearing? The Hinger's wearing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the armor that the zombie dropped. No, that was the armor that I dropped. Yeah, the zombie picked it up. I did not know zombies could pick up me. <laughs> um, our viewers can see that the performance is like this is probably better than uh, more time or you would know because you've played on a lot of online servers how's the performance of our mine minecraft server on a raspberry pi uh compared to some of those online servers better actually uh, this is better 
Yeah, I would agree. I, I have. That's um, what I've been told. There's way less players though. Well, there is, True. but I mean, there. I have a, a free server that uh, I've used with my kids, and we get lag issues when it's just the four of us on. So the fact that this is a Raspberry Pi and there's what nine of us. It's sorry, phenomenal. my 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 internet just dropped out, so I lost you for a second there. You were talking, oh. Jeff. Well, I was just saying that I have a. Um, a, a free server that I use with my kids. Oh, okay, and, like online, like a cloud yeah, server? Yeah, online. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it is, um, it can be quite laggy sometimes when it's just the yeah. four of us. So right. this performs exceptionally better than that. Yeah, and I've, like I've also paid for servers where it's, you know, $60 a year, and this yeah. is better performance. You don't have much in the way of armor, but uh, are you interested in following me into the nether just for a quick tour? Uh, sure, because that should be a performance hit, right? That's loading yep. another world. Yep. And then we're going to have multiple people in that world and multiple people in this one. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Boom. Instantaneous load. So just be careful where you walk because uh, you don't want to fall into the lava. Yeah, I'll say. All right. So look at the world gen. Now, why is it? That's not snow. That's like from Stranger Things. Yeah, the, it's, it's the like weird ash. stuff that's just kind of floating. Yeah. Okay. I'm just astounded. There. What happened? Don't swim in lava. That is not recommended. What was that? Where did you die? <laughs> were you Were you here what? with us? Yes. All right. I am so impressed with how well this world gens. There's zero issues. I was expecting... Now, I've... I, I have no experience with Minecraft, but I've seen the lag that causes the world gen to kind of stutter yeah. um, on other servers. So I was expecting that because this is just a single board computer. That's right. But it's running great. It's running very, very well. Apparently this is the place to stand. I'm like safe from the <laughs> rain right here. Oh. All around me. You fell. Yeah, I, I put a cactus on top and it collapsed. What? I yeah, I would avoid against touching cactus. <laughs> yeah. No, I no, it's not the cactus that killed me. I had cactus in my inventory and then I dropped them on the ground. And like I placed it on the ground on top of the sand that I was standing on. And then the sand collapsed and then I fell into the... Um, yeah. You know what I'm so, hearing here, Jeff? What? Like, I mean, we're we're the dads that are, you know, the, the performance is really, really great on a single board computer, but the kids are having fun. Well, exactly. I've got my three kids sitting beside me, and they're 
They're having a blast. So yeah. this is good. Awesome. I think it's a mission success, my friend. Hooray! So the next step for my Raspberry Pi in order to boost the performance even further is I want to get an NVMe to USB 3 UASP adapter. So wow. that's okay. going to give me a, a, a solid state drive that I can run the Minecraft world off of right. so that when it does that flush, the, the, the storage, in this case the SD card, doesn't get choked. Right. Because an SD card, especially on a Raspberry Pi, which does not have a really great uh, micro SD card uh, reader-writer, it's pretty slow mm -hmm. by, by contrast to NVMe for sure. Right. Um, it, it should get rid of that bottleneck. Absolutely. So and that's going to be the, an, an interesting test. And I mean, this was done on a Raspberry Pi 4 with yeah. 4 gig of RAM. Yeah. I, I can only imagine how much better it would be on an 8 gig of RAM. Because Possibly, I, yeah. I mean, we, I don't, we didn't tax out the RAM at any point. No, and I, I was watching that, that buffer. I was watching HTOP there and, and, and just kind of keeping an eye on things. CPU got pretty hot at yeah. some points. And because I only overclocked, I was a little conservative in, in my case, overclocking to 1.95 gigahertz. Mm -hmm. um, you could go higher than that, but then you risk stability issues yeah. and things like that or the, the single board computer crashing. Uh, but the other opportunity that we have is, is with the Raspberry Pi uh, 400, mm -hmm. which does have a stock 1.8 gigahertz processor, oh, okay. which we could then bump up to maybe 2 or 2.2 gigahertz. That might make a difference. So that might be cool too. So I mean you can do this on, on the same method can be uh, translated to any single board computer. It's yeah. just making sure that you've got enough power and enough RAM. But the fact is it worked. It worked, and it worked really, well. really well. And, and I mean having com I mean we didn't do the comparison on the show, but having done it on a Pi 3 and an yep. Odroid XU4 mm -hmm. I was expecting it to not go well. And you mentioned that it, or uh, more timer mentioned that it, it, it's even working better than the online services. Yes. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I would agree with that. Like, especially, I mean, at the top of the show, we were talking about, uh, or I was saying how I'd use some free services. And the free services performed worse than the Pi. And so you mean the Pi performed better that's than the correct. free services? Yeah, and even some of the <laughs> I like to put a positive spin yeah, on things. Even the paid services, uh, you know, like five bucks a month, stuff like that. Like you know, the bottom end, uh, I would say that they were comparable, maybe. Like the Pi kept up and, and did well, and yeah. uh, you know that was there was what nine of us, eight of us on there. Something like that. Isn't that unreal, folks? Like, and, and we did not tax it out. Like, there's no. room for more. So, yeah. hey, let's let's do it. Let's land party. <laughs> I'm game. Check out the links below. Head on over to Ameridroid.com to get your single board computer, Raspberry Pi 4 with four gigs of RAM is what we tested on tonight. And uh, anything, uh, as Jeff is saying, get the eight gig if you want, and uh, you're going to probably even see better performance than we saw, which is pretty astonishing. Mm -hmm. um, and there are other single board computers and other products there as well. Uh, and the links uh, below also contain my script to set it up. Okay. Um, more information as well. So if you're not seeing that, if you're watching this on cable TV or anything like that, head on over to our website, category5.tv, and just do a quick search for Minecraft Raspberry Pi, and you'll find the video with those links and the instructions and the script to install it and everything else. Oh, yeah. Fantastic stuff. All right, we've got to head over to the newsroom. Here's Becca. Becca.
Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. The first ever Super Nintendo World theme park is set to open in February. Microsoft has fixed a bizarre Windows 10 error. Mozilla's privacy VPN service is now available on macOS and Linux. And Intel's newly announced 12th Gen chip hybrid is set to compete with both ARM and Apple Silicon. Stick around, the full details and this week's Crypto Corner are coming up. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. If you enjoy your weekly tech news with a slight Linux bias, become part of our fleet. Choose your rank at patreon.com slash category5. From the newsroom, I'm Becca Ferguson. While a Mario-themed Switch has been announced, we all hope for the release of a new 4K Nintendo Switch Pro this year. Mario-themed news keeps flowing out of Nintendo as they continue celebrating the 35th anniversary of Super Mario Bros, which took place in September. We've seen the revisited Nintendo Game & Watch, and now Nintendo has announced the new game, Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, which they promise is a bigger and badder version of the game originally released for the Wii U. But our focus this week is on something a little different, and a whole lot bigger. We talked about it way back on episode 604 in April 2019, but now it's ready. The first ever Super Nintendo World theme park is opening at Universal Studios Japan on February 4th of this year. A newly released sneak peek video tour by Shigeru Miyamoto, creator of Mario, Donkey Kong, and The Legend of Zelda, walks you right into the atrium of Princess Peach's castle through a portal-like shimmering green pipe. From there, Miyamoto shows you how to use decorated smart wristbands to collect coins all throughout a colorful, life-size version of the legendary world. Just as in the classic Super Mario Bros. game, punching up on each question mark block encountered along the way will release the coin straight into your wristband, replete with a satisfying coin-collecting ding. This wearable wristband technology is linked to your smartphone and unlocks the interactive gameplay experience of the park. Combined with the augmented reality experience of themed rides, this promises to be a magical experience for visitors of all ages. One such adventure, Bowser's Castle, is sure to delight with its heavy stone walls, looming staircases, burning wall sconces, dungeon-like doors, and an enormous statue of Bowser in its depths, which, as rumor has it, just might be animated. Here you'll find the entrance doors to an augmented reality Mario Kart ride called Koopa's Challenge, where participants will be able to toss shells and steer about the Mushroom Kingdom. Thomas Garatti, Senior Director, Innovation and Global Executive Producer for Mario Kart, explains, Guests will put on their headset, which takes them through the Mario Kart universe, to experience never-ending excitement and thrills. Chock full of the iconic landscapes, pipes, castles, and the beloved creatures and characters of the Super Mario world, this $580 million project is part of an effort by the Kyoto-based games company to increase falling revenue by expanding its franchises. The park was initially scheduled to open back before the 2020 Summer Olympics in, to in Tokyo, but both were delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. While they are doing augmented reality, what I found really intriguing about this video is that it appears like the park is all physical recreations of the gameplay. 
Which is totally awesome. And it, I was expecting a Nintendo theme park to be like filled with screens and you know Nintendo gameplay and everything else. But it's literally taken the uh, like the Mario theme and turned it into a real life park that you can walk through to the point where one of my favorite parts that were shown in this in this preview was that um, at one point you shrink. Like Mario shrinks, doom, yeah, doom, doom. yeah, yeah, because the the all the surroundings become huge. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They yeah, triple in size, and it's like, oh my goodness, the effect is so cool. It's like you want to bring cool. your smartphone and start taking some pictures. Now I wonder if there'll be some sort of like, you know, hey, you can't film this. For a I while. don't know. I it, doubt it. No, something like this. It's meant for kids. Well, it's that's meant. For, no, it's meant for you 80s can tell. kids. That's what it's meant for. That's it's meant for true, 80s kids. but it's super American. It's meant for 80s kids. Boomers will say, "Yeah," uh, <laughs> to take their Zoomers uh, right. with them and uh, and and show them what you know. It, it's pretty magical. I, I mean, I'm not a huge theme park person. I mean, like I remember going to Disney as a kid and yeah, Universal yeah. and all that. And I was like, okay, it's just another place for attractions and rides. Whatever. Sure. But this is probably the first theme-based park that's legit theme-based Yeah, um, that I would probably go to. Mm-hmm. And I, simply because it is Mario. And, and the idea behind it is mind-blowing. Like so The fun. fact that you could it's take so the video fun. game and turn it into a place, and, and then they hit those elements yeah. is so cool. And, and I like that they've got um, that interactive component like yeah. with oh, the yeah. hitting the coins and... And all that kind of stuff, because it's not just about going and, 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 and experiencing it. It's about experiencing it, which takes it to another level. We went to Lego World years ago, yeah. and, and that was fun. You can go onto our website and do a search for, for Lego and Category5.tv if you want to see it. Uh, but we took our kids there, and it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And it, it kind of reminded me of that, where you're, you're walking into a world that is yes. just Lego. That's right. And you're walking into a world that is just, you are basically transported into these video games that you and I grew up with. Yeah. And it's so magical. Now, what I can't wait to find out is who's the first person that's going to slip on a banana peel? Ha, ha, ha. And do they get away with saying, oh, it's part of the experience. Don't sue us. <laughs> the interesting thing about opening a theme park at the beginning of 2021, of course, yeah. uh, you know, like uh, Japan... You know, last last I saw, we're like uh, Friday. W- they were at about eight thousand cases. Yeah. And and so, you know, are, are, how are they going to do this? Uh, two years ago, when they first announced this yeah. theme park, there there was no pandemic in sight. Right. But so, I mean, at this point, the capital's been put in to build it. And Obviously, maybe that's it. Like it's ready. Yeah. And when everything is behind us, and then okay, we can all go. But w- will people go regardless? Probably not, uh, like not travelers, but locals. Well, I mean, we I just sure would. We it, just got stats as long as there's social distancing and safety measures sure. put into place, which there will be. But look at the Christmas holidays here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Stats just came out that from was it Canada or Ontario alone, four thousand people went to Hawaii over the Christmas holidays. Okay, and that's in the midst of a global pandemic. So I can imagine. People so are people will. Go, people are going to go. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> okay, so stay safe. I'm I'm absolutely certain that uh, Nintendo will um, and Universal Studios in general will have um, safety precautions in place oh, for sure. and, and be following the rules and everything else. But uh, something definitely to look forward to taking the kids to uh, when things are a little bit safer, for sure. Absolutely. All right, Becca. 
Future plans include the opening of Super Nintendo World Parks at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, Hollywood, California, and Singapore. Microsoft has fixed Windows 10's 60-second self-destruct. After upgrading to Windows 10 20H2 with the October 2020 update, some Windows 10 users experienced a bizarre Windows 10 error. Without warning, a prompt would appear on their screen to alert them that they had only 60 seconds to save their work before their system would automatically shut down and restart. There was no option to cancel or dismiss the restart, and if a user happened to have stepped away from their computer at the time of the alert, they risked losing important unsaved data by not being quick enough to do anything about it. Microsoft confirmed this back in November, explaining that some Windows 10 updates caused critical issues for certain configurations with the local security authority subsystem service. This was reportedly a filing conflict in the system triggered by changing your local username, especially the main admin account name. If your particular device was affected, this mysterious prompt might have appeared and rebooted your system. These type of issues cropping up following a Windows update can be very frustrating. Have you ever had a Windows update cause you to lose data or functionality? Tell us about it in the comments below. Robbie, have you ever encountered such a thing? Oh, Becca, I tell you what. Uh, Jeff, do you remember our Season 10 pilot episode uh, where we oh, shot... Gosh. Four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you'll remember because it's the, it's the episode where we shot the entire thing in 360 VR video. Oh, yes, absolutely. You remember that? Yeah. Um, shooting and producing VR video is very taxing on your computer. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you had a ton of work to do. A ton of work. The rendering process of that episode was more than 24 straight hours yes. just to render out a one-hour video. I remember that. And Windows 10 rebooted midstream. I forgot about that. It mm -hmm. did. And, you know, I'm not, I don't work full time at the studio. And especially yeah. then, it's like you're there once a week and you expect that, okay, everything's going to be ready. And no, it was sitting at the login prompt and I had lost everything. Yeah, because you can't just continue halfway through the run. No, oh no. It doesn't no, you had like to that. start over. So, oh needless goodness. to say, yes, Becca, I have been through similar situations. Um, and I used to use like things like Notepad. I'd have like notes and everything up on my screen about the show as I was editing and things like that. Um, and then I'd head home for the night. And yeah. I had that lost a few times as oh well. And, and finally, I realized, okay, this is not, a, uh, this is not for me. So, I save my, <laughs> save my work always. And... Uh, yeah, hopefully never have a render interrupted like that. Oh, man. Wow. Well, at least this mysterious 60-second self-destruct issue was finally resolved on January 7, 2021. The fix was pushed out automatically, so you don't need to do anything as long as your Windows 10 device gets its Windows updates. However, if you are working with custom media or have updates paused, make sure you update your OS. 60 seconds. That's not enough time. I mean, I would be furious thankfully <laughs> thankfully my system did not have this issue yeah but for a while probably a year my system wouldn't even do updates oh really it would try and do it and then it would crash every time oh wow and then like a month and a half ago it started working so i didn't have to go through this the worst thing is when that update comes up on the screen and you can't get out of it it's yeah. like full screen and it blocks everything so you're in the you might be in the middle of something and suddenly yeah you're locked out now this is a case once again where Microsoft has updated Windows 10 and introduced 
a problem that previously didn't exist. Yeah. And that, I mean, I don't have to say that bugs me. I think that that bugs all of us, that uh, that, that kind that of thing still words? happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we've, uh, you know, we've been through this. It seems yes. like it's a recurring theme that Microsoft keeps doing this where they're breaking systems. And At least they're consistent. You know what you're getting. <laughs> Bugs. You know what you're getting. <laughs> this is where that slight Linux bias comes in and we say, hey, check out Linux Mint. That's check right. out Ubuntu. Check out Ubuntu Mate. Yeah. What else can we say? Debian. Definitely yeah. Debian. Just about anything. <laughs> Just not CentOS. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know why... This stuff doesn't get caught first by Windows, uh, like I I, I got to hand it to them. I mean, as software developing, uh, as software developers, it's it's virtually impossible to think of every sure. every case, Absolutely. every scenario. Um, sometimes it has to do with the particular graphics drivers you have, and yeah. like they just can't test everything. But <sighs> you know, in IT, um, one of the one of the practices that we have is. Okay, we're going to make a big change to the network. We have 1,200 computers. We're going to push this out to five isolated systems first. We're going to see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And then we wait it out and we see how everything goes. Right. Great. Okay, a, a couple of days have, have passed. Let's push that out to 30 systems. Mm -hmm. And let's see if any complaints or problems come in. And as we work through those things, then we feel confident and we can push it out to the 1,200 systems. Right. But you've got Windows is on probably billions of computers. Right. So why do they not have a test? Group? Well, why don't they run their update on... All of their systems. 1% of sure. Windows 10 systems. Yeah. Let's release this update to 1%. Yeah. Let's see what happens. But could you imagine? <laughs> I'd hate to be the 1%. Yeah. But, but at least then they could fix it before pushing it out to billions of people. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure this kind of stuff... <laughs> I can exaggerate. It's you okay. know, like, it, it was isolated cases. I mean, I say that sure. loosely. Yeah. It wasn't every system. Yeah. But imagine if, like, a, a government defense computer was running Windows, and they were middle of something important. It's like, you've got 60 seconds. It's like, yeah. what? Uh-huh. Like... Uh. Enter the disarm codes now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have 120 seconds to disarm. Yeah. You have 60 seconds before I reboot. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But at least they got it fixed quickly. I, I will give you know Microsoft that as they mm -hmm. fixed it quick. So hopefully. To some other, other issues. Hopefully you didn't lose anything. Yeah. Mozilla's privacy VPN service is now available on both macOS and Linux. And Intel's newly announced 12th gen chip hybrid is set to compete with both ARM and Apple Silicon. Becca has these stories coming up. Also, Robert is here with the Crypto Corner, so don't go anywhere. of cryptos and welcome back to the crypto corner today i'd like to focus on something that a lot of people are asking us i'd like to get involved in cryptos but i have no clue how to do that so um let me focus on that today let me show you some ideas on how to get involved and so there are a few components that you have to think of the first one is an exchange in other words 
you've got your cash and you would like to convert it into cryptos and uh, for that you need an exchange and the one that we recommend is uh, Kraken so this is the Kraken uh, exchange kraken.com k-a-k-r-a-k-e-n.com they're by far the best um, they also accept uh, US uh, residents and uh, they have got also the cheapest uh, rates um, or fees and also they uh, have got the best service so this is the exchange that I recommend the others like <coughs> uh, Bitrex um, Coinbase and so on but Kraken is from my point of view the best one so you can wire transfer money over from your bank account into Kraken and then you just have to select the cryptocurrency you want to buy there are a few categories of cryptocurrencies basically three the first one is Bitcoin which is the old the granddad that's the most stable one um, that's the one that just went well uh, above all-time high and you cannot make big mistakes there so the uh, fluctuations of course will exist there and as you can see currently we've got a dip of 25% which is absolutely normal in this market but you will not have those 10x or 100x that you might uh, have heard of the next level is ethereum and um, then the rest falls in, into the third category so i as a beginner never get involved in the third category because you have to learn first how this market w works it's a little bit like horse racing yeah so if you go to a horse race um, and you start betting on a horse then of course you will lose your money if you have got no clue which horse, horse performs which way you can bet on any horse and the hope that that horse will win but the likelihood is very small and for that <clears throat> you have to do some research yeah? and the research is also very simple much simpler than with traditional uh, in the traditional market with stocks and and so on and so if you go into coinmarketcoingecko.com uh, which is our favorite um, directory where you find all the the big um, uh, cryptocurrencies and then you select one that you like let's say you've heard of um, let's take here Celsius network that they've got a good potential and so on and so you've got two options here you first you can listen to all those experts that are not real experts yeah I, I mean you've got a few people that have got insider knowledge um, but you'll hear also opposite of opinion from other people and there's nobody in this market uh, that can predict how the, the the values are going to behave in the near future so you need to rely on your own research and that's really really simple so first part what you have to do is you go on to coingecko.com you click on the favorite um, uh, currency that you're interested in and in here you've got all the information that you need yeah so if you scroll a little bit down you see of course the the trading view <clears throat> and then you've got here the all-time high so all-time high on Celsius was $6.82 on the 3rd of January uh, 2001, so eight days ago. And the all time low is beginning of two, or the end of two, uh, 2018, so about two years ago, that was the all time low, uh, which is interesting to know that. So you know if there is a big potential uh, in regards to the price. Then here, <clears throat> a little bit further up, you've got the markets. And the markets just tell you where you can buy those. Yeah? And this is also important. So, for example, you've got Uniswap here. You can go, of course, directly to Uniswap and buy it there. 
you run the risk that you fall into a hoax because not uh, everybody, uh, I mean, you can launch a Celsius network uh, token on, uh, um, on Uniswap. So the best way is to get through CoinGecko. You click on this field here that will redirect you to uh, Uniswap and there you can then exchange your Ethereum, for example, against uh, Celsius uh, tokens. So that's one way. The markets uh, is where you find the liquidity. <clears throat> Next one in regards to your research is you go onto their website and just check on how this looks. I mean, is this something you would like to get involved in? Is this something that appeals to you personally? Do some research. What are the people that are involved? Are the developers? All those things. <clears throat> Next is you go into Twitter or Telegram, both. Uh, not so much Facebook, not so much Reddit, but Twitter is definitely important and Telegram is important. Telegram is people like you and I that um, Telegram is a group where they, we meet and we discuss things. Yeah? So if you've got a question around the Celsius network, regardless of what question that might be, you go into Telegram, you ask that question, you'll get for sure a very uh, swift answer. <clears throat> so that's Telegram. Twitter is more of, well, I mean, you know Twitter, so I don't have to tell you anything about that. So that's basically the research. So the research revolves around um, the product, yeah? Does the product appeal to you? Then the users, how many users are there? Is this a coin that only few users are interested in? Then I would be careful because you know that if there are not many people involved, then it's un unlikely that this thing will go uh, 10x, 100x or whatever. And then the utility of the coin, yeah? So you can, what can you do with it? Is there already an example, a sample? So this is different to the traditional market because the traditional market is always around the valuation of the company, management, and also um, uh, key figures of the company. Yeah, and you buy a share in the company. That's co completely different in this market here. Yeah, this market is built on hype. Uh, we're currently in a bubble. Uh, yes, it is a bubble and it will burst at one day like they always do in the crypto market. And so you only work towards this bubble. Yeah. And once this bubble bursts, the equation is a different one. You have to uh, change your mind shift, uh, at that stage. When will that be? Nobody knows. Uh, but until then, this is what we recommend to you. So get an account on Kraken, buy <clears throat> with your fiat, uh, the currency that you like, do a research beforehand. If you're a complete newbie, uh, focus only on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Don't touch the others. Um, because you might make uh, big mistakes, like with horse races, yeah? So you can make big mistakes there too if you bet on a horse that nobody ever heard of. So that's, um, that's basically it uh, from my point of view, just showing you a little bit on how to get involved in this. I didn't touch anything in regards to wallets or other things. That will come at another stage. So focus on the exchange, get your uh, tokens, uh, currencies, purchased on that exchange, but do your research beforehand. So that's it for me. Um, it's an exciting market, as you can see. We've been saying that all along the time. So I hope, uh, I hope you get involved. Um, not financial advice, of course. Anyway, so thank you very much for watching. Please leave us a like and uh, subscribe and come back soon next week.
Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Robert. Just a reminder that we're not providing financial advice, as he mentioned, uh, but we're just sharing what's happening in the horse racing, I mean, (laughs) cryptocurrency markets. Uh, Always remember that the cryptocurrency market is always changing. It's always volatile. um, So only invest what you can afford to lose. Yes. Here's Becca. Thank you, Robbie. Mozilla's Privacy VPN service is now available on macOS and Linux. Mozilla VPN launched in July, but only for Windows 10 or Android or iOS devices. The new availability on Linux not only opens Mozilla VPN up for Linux desktop users, but it's our hope that this will also mean the service will be available in the budding Linux-based smartphone market, with devices such as Librem 5 and PinePhone gaining in popularity. For now, though, the system requirements seem to hint to Linux compatibility exclusive on Ubuntu. We'd love to know what the appeal of a VPN is for you. Is privacy of ultimate interest? Or are you hoping to gain access to services that aren't available in your area? Or maybe a little of both? Comment below and let us know. Mozilla VPN users uh, uses WireGuard to encrypt your network activity and hide your IP address with no bandwidth restrictions. They also boast that, unlike some VPN services, they do not log your internet usage. Mozilla VPN costs just $5 per month and allows you to use it across up to five devices. The service is available in the US, the UK, Canada, New Zealand, Singapore, and Malaysia, with more regions coming soon. It's amazing what you can get for a fiver these days. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, that wasn't quite a plug, but yeah, it kind of is. Um, yeah, five bucks, that's pretty competitive. So, And Mozilla is obviously a uh, household name that, yes. uh, that we can all know and trust. So uh, it's yeah. pretty great. But I think the key thing here, Jeff, and Becca touched on it, but the real sense that I get from Mozilla VPN is that they are aiming to be tr- truly private. Yes. If you will, in that they are not collecting the data of what you're using the VPN for. Correct. And so, you know, that th- that has all kinds of, you know, that can be good and that can be bad. However, from a privacy perspective, because VPNs are meant to be private, it's important to realize that a lot of the affordable or free, mm-hmm. that's even better air quotes, free uh, VPN services that are out there, a lot of them track you and yes. monitor what you're doing and log it and sell the data. And and so when you're using a service that's meant to give you anonymity and they're logging it, that kind of defeats the purpose, if you Absolutely. ask me. Yeah. So And that's something that Mozilla has really uh, stepped up to, to say, hey, for five bucks a month, we're going to give this to you and, and we're not going to monitor you. We're not going to log right. what, what it is that you're doing. Um, uh, VPNs can be very, very helpful. Um, we talked about proxies on the show before, yes. um, and, and it's sort of a similar idea, but a VPN allows you to basically place your IP elsewhere in the world. So that means even though I'm here in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, I can go on the internet and any website or service that I use will think that I'm in sunny California. Yes. And so that can be good from an, an like a privacy perspective because they can't, tell that I'm from Barrie, Ontario, Canada, but also it can allow me to access services that I can't normally access. Yeah. Up here in Canada, for example, um, we have different services than in America. Yes. So, and, and sometimes it is crippled 
services. Yeah. And so that, that can kind of stink. And, and, you know, maybe there's a gray area there, and I don't want to get too far into that because it is a little bit of a legal gray area, but we understand what it means. And, um, but where it can be helpful as well is if by um, an incident that is not malicious, you get blocked on a service. Yes. Then you can change your location to that service using a VPN or a proxy, but uh, using a VPN in order to be able to continue using that service. And a good example of that would be um, even so much as where I myself from home have been working on Category 5 TV and accidentally put in the wrong password. Yeah. Yeah. My firewall says, oh, somebody's trying to hack in, block that IP yes. address. So then I'll use the VPN service in order to, to actually do my work. So that's a good example of where I don't want them to be tracking how I'm accessing my backend. Yeah. I want to be able to log in even though I'm locked out because I'm going to have to go into the studio and unlock my, my IP from the firewall because I just lost access. Yes. Or I can use the VPN to get in, unlock my access. See, and that's, right? there's, that's there's great. There's a lot of good use cases. I, I've, I mean, with my work, I, I view a lot of training videos and whatnot, mm-hmm. and, and there's a couple times I've tried to view different training videos on different right. services, Yeah. and sometimes it goes, sorry, this is blocked, you can't view it in your country. Sure. And I'm like, why? It's a training video. It's not like yeah. it's a... So I've had to use VPN for that. Um, but as well, interestingly enough, at our church, uh, we bought uh, our internet services in LTE, mm-hmm. um, but the modem that we got is uh, or sorry not the modem the um, router uh, no the, the sim card that's sim in our card, modem okay. uh, because we can take the modem wherever <coughs> we want is a US based sim card Oh, so even though it's it's operating in Canada it registers as an American device oh wow and so we need to use a VPN to access some of our services in Canada in Canada wow even oh, though man. like our that makes it even here. slower Jeff it really does that's another like, thing about Mozilla's VPN is they do boast that they, it's fast yes really and fast. I mean I have uh, there was a VPN service you know you're talking about free services I purchased one uh, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that it was a I, you know paid some money for it but it was, mm-hmm. it was a multi-device VPN mm-hmm. so I could use it on my phone I could use it on sure. my uh, yeah. Android box all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. And uh, great. Why service. would you want? Don't answer this. Why would you want to put it on your Android box? Anyway, <laughs> carry on. Um, yeah, not for that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're strictly above board. Well, <laughs> for me, it's about. I just don't like to be followed. You I, raised a really interesting comment about business, and I'm thinking immediately international business. Yeah. And how some services that may be in use by uh, a UK partner. I can't access from here in Canada. Correct. Yeah. So there's another legitimate... I'm not being blocked from it because I'm a bad person or a bad guy. No, I'm being blocked from it because it's it's like region-specific. That's right. And yeah. so with an international business, that can cause problems. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, check it, it out. It's really interesting to see. Uh, I wouldn't have thought of Mozilla for this kind of thing, though. Yeah, well, they're kind of expanding the line, you know? Got to stay competitive. Stay competitive. That's right. Uh, check out the link below if you want to check it out. Here's Becca. Intel's newly announced 12th gen chip hybrid is set to compete with both ARM and Apple Silicon. Intel announced at CES just this week that its 12th generation chipset hybrid, Alder Lake, will integrate big little technology, placing it in its closest yet competition with ARM and Apple's M1. With big little technology, processors are multi-core, with some cores being high performance while others are high efficiency. 
This enables the device or desktop to efficiently utilize performance cores versus power-saving cores, depending on each specific function. While Intel's forerunning Lakefield chips also use technology similar to Big Little, they were only for mobile devices. What's so significant here is that the Alder Lake chipset will take the next major leap by becoming the foundation for Intel-powered desktops and laptops as well. This is definitely an exciting step for Intel, but it has a bit of a feeling of being a follower rather than an innovator. How is your faith in Intel these days? Are you considering AMD or ARM, or will you hang tight for the coming Alder Lake performance numbers? Post your thoughts in the comments below. Just like Intel's 11th gen Tiger Lake chips, the 12th gen Alder Lake chips will feature an enhanced version of the 10 nanometer Superfin designs, which will include new high power cores called Golden Lake and Gracemont. While some, of the, some people see this move strictly as a competitive one by Intel, others speculate that the move is to appease stockholders who might be losing faith in a company that seems to lag more and more behind with each passing year. Though delays and long waits are anticipated, Alder Lake chipsets may possibly be available as soon as the second half of this year. Now before we comment on this story, I have to give kudos to Becca for making it through because our cottage is on Eagle Lake. Okay. And Eagle in German is Adler. Oh, okay. Now, so with a little bit of dys dyslexia, you're going to take that L and move it before the D, and now it's Alder. Right. Alder Lake. Oh my goodness. She hit it every time. Didn't once say Adler Lake. Come on. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> Big dot little in an Intel processor. I mean, that means, so we're talking multi-core processors. Becca really broke it down. And, you know, I'm, I'm impressed mm -hmm. that um, Big dot little is, is really revolutionary in that when I'm doing really intensive tasks, I want my system to be performing at its best. I don't care in that moment about energy con uh, consumption or, or right. you, um uh, reduction in, in energy. Uh, however, when my computer's idle or I'm just surfing the web or whatever, I don't need all that power. I don't yeah. need the heat that it generates. I don't. So big dot little means rather than throttling your processor, which is the old traditional Intel way, which is you know take a three gigahertz processor and when you're using it at its max, it's going to be 3.2 gigahertz. But then when you idle, it's going to go down to one gigahertz. Mm -hmm. and, and and so you know that's the old way, throttling. This is multiple cores, and some of the cores, the little ones, are simply more energy efficient. So yeah. it will choose based on the task which cores are being utilized for that task. It's quite interesting. And that's something that, uh, that you know, ARM has been doing for a long time. We see yeah. it on single board computers. We're talking about the Rock Pro 64. The Rock Pro 64 has six cores. Mm -hmm. It's a single board computer with two big cores and four little cores. Yep. And so it's able to really perform well when it needs to, but then when it needs to be energy efficient or just being used as a, you know, an idle server, it's going to utilize it's going to use a, a very small little trickle of power. Right. But that, uh, you know, that alludes to what Beck asked, uh, you know, I I in the news there about are they just kind of following suit? Or they're being innovative. Yeah. And I have felt that way for a while with Intel. Mm -hmm. Like for, for But Mac as well. Well, yeah, exactly. But for the longest time, Intel was like the one to watch. Mm -hmm. It was like if something new was coming out, it was Intel. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's shifted lately, and they are oh, yeah. playing catch-up. But isn't it interesting who it's shifted to? Right. Do you know? ARM. Yeah. So the new M1 chips from Apple? ARM-based. ARM-based. Yeah. Intel's new chips are utilizing a similar technology to what ARM is already doing. And we covered this like a month or so ago. Like, is ARM We've had this talk be, yeah. because we see this coming. ARM is already huge, but they are taking over. They are. And I can't wait to have ARM servers. And this really, we had the discussion about ARM servers in the server room. Yeah. I, it never even crossed my mind about Big Dot Little. No. And so now I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Yeah. For my Debian web server running on these extremely efficient cores, and then suddenly there's a burst of traffic and MySQL goes crazy, and so it needs to use the big cores, mm-hmm. that's a fantastic scenario. Absolutely. So I'm loving where that's going. But yeah. is you know where where is Intel going to fall into all this? It's an interesting thing. And then yeah. AMD is doing their own thing, and they're doing really really well at it. Yes. So it's a very competitive market. We're going to see a lot of change in the coming years. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Hey, Becca mentioned it, but do comment below. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And if you appreciate what we do, become a patron at patreon.com slash category5. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Becca Ferguson. on Twitter at Category5TV. And once again, just a reminder to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Category5. Great way to support what we do here and help us to keep Category5 free for all time. Yeah. And for all people. (laughs) It costs a lot of money to do this, and we couldn't do it without you. So thank you to our patrons. We appreciate you very, very much. That's all the time that we have, Jeff. And we don't really know what the coming weeks are going to hold. No. Follow us on social media. Get onto our Discord. You're going to be able to communicate with us and chat with us and find out, hey, what's going on with Category 5? We're here, not necessarily physically, but the show will go on. It's just that Ontario, Canada is about to enter uh, an emergency state of lockdown. Mm -hmm. And so we're not sure what that means for us just yet, but uh, we look forward to seeing you next time, whenever that is. That's right. (laughs) So take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon. Bye.